if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah blah blah. Blah blah Sending out good vibes. And ask yourself why you want those things. Because this vision really needs to be more of a way of living. It's something that you can never actually be and check off. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grammarica Show. We are going to be chatting with Chris Duffin a little bit later. A great chat with uh, with a guy who's got a lot going on right now and uh, seems like a pretty motivational motherfucker. So it's a fun one. Uh, on In other news, Grandma's COVID again. So we got <laughs> uh, Graham, hopefully pussy not on a pedestal this time, Dunlop. I, uh, yeah, we're usually, we do these ramblings before the show and I'm not going to be talking much. Uh, I can, I'm pretty exhausted. Yeah. You're the rambler. I know I got a quote and I, you know, I don't have much to say. I mean, I'm a rambling ram. So what do you, what percentage of the people do you think know this is a bio, a, a man, made bioweapon? Well, not, not, not even forget, forget a bioweapon. Even. Let, let's just say, let's just say like made in a lab somewhere, maybe not even like, uh, with bad intentions or anything. Well, I don't even know that. What percentage do you think, though? You you think this is natural? I don't know. I think it's probably okay. made in the lab, but... What percentage do you think? Everything is just based on, like, you know, I have no real expertise to base that on other than the what the machine's given to me. What would you say, 80% people kind of think would, would side that way? To the lab? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. 50-50. I mean, are we doing global? Here, we got to reel this in here. Is this a global thing? No, I'm just just asking because because I've been attacked again by this bioweapon. And and I want to know why nobody's being held accountable for this. You know, it's, well, it's there's a pandemic. A new flu. It's, it, it's to a me new like flu. there's nobody looking at what what's going what's happened here. Whether it's a leak or whether it's whatever the case is. I'm not saying even bad intentions or whatever, but something happened. Something and happened. Now it's, and, bat, now it's, and now I've got that soup. thing digging in my nasal. I can feel it in my nasal cavity again. Like these little spiky things. Like it's it's gross feeling. It's but hasn't it mutated enough at this point to not be that? No, it's still that. That's what it's I'm saying. It's super thing. uncomfortable. It feels very similar. So it's super uncomfortable. Like I, I fucking, I couldn't sleep at all last night. I had, I had the shit. So get this. I, I ended up playing D and D last night. I, as soon as I shut it off, as soon as I closed up, I got the shivers and I was like totally. I heard Brandon Powell in my head. Did anyone put a D and D spell on you? Uh, no, no. <sighs> Well, I know that. Well, but it just happened like I, I must have been of holding all, it off. But I don't anyway, think so, you should be doing Brandon Powell. No, no, no I wasn't doing his. I was doing like the ice bath breath work. Breath work. That's just still not a great the, idea. Extending, extending the outflow 
um, breathing in sort of half I, his words were going through my mind, like ex- exhale twice as long as you inhale, you know, like not the breath work, not the Wim Hof breath work, but the other just normal breath work. And it breathing. helped so much. Like, dude, it helped me fuck relax everything. And in 45 minutes, the shivers and the coldness was gone. I still couldn't sleep. I mean, I still didn't sleep, but it's like in my nose and in my cap, my nasal cavity, my, I, my head is fucking full of pressure. Like I never get sick like this at all. I know it's fucking COVID. It's gross. So have you tested? Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to see if, if it's, uh, yeah. so you but did, it's, it doesn't you did matter. It doesn't matter. Rapid I mean, it's antigen like, test? This is not a normal fucking uh, like cold. It's not, not a normal cold. My mom thinks it's a normal cold. Like she doesn't think what I think, but she's like, "Oh, this is nothing. It's just a normal cold." It's just a normal flu. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a normal one, but but I think it was probably made in the lab. But I don't think it's it's like uh, engineered. I think it just like got out. The reason why I question it's like made to be more contagious. Maybe like mated with another one. I don't know how all that shit works. I'm, the reason I'm why I brought it up is because that you've got it again, though. I'm not going to lie; it does concern me. The reason why I brought it up is because I, you know, you wonder. It makes me wonder or realize this whole thing is planned because nobody's nobody's being held accountable for this. Nobody. It's just disgusting. Nobody's gone after anybody for what happened. Did like nine eleven? Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. We tore up a couple of countries for that. We just didn't go after anyone who actually had anything to do with it. And the weird part is I bumped into two neighbors, which I haven't, I don't really bump into a lot of neighbors, but I bumped into them and I, and I heard two guys had COVID. I think it was two different guys, but they had COVID. Oh, the guy on the corner's got COVID. And then the guy that showed up in the mailbox, oh, I think I have COVID and he's all covered up. His face is covered up. So how weird is it that for the first time in two years, I hear of local people that have it and then our household gets it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess COVID's a thing again. I don't know. It's like, it's, I'm still like, it's still very much a part of my day to day. Cause I'm working at two hospitals. Yeah. But nobody gives a fuck. And, and the, and the dreams I can't, I'm stuck in this fucking, I can't even go sleep properly. I'm in this uh, hypnagogic state where I honestly, and this is the other thing that really triggers me that I'm, that I'm, that really says I'm still, this is the same sort of COVID type thing. And I can't even explain, I can't even explain it, but it's, it's almost like from maybe from that book I was reading or something. And, and it's sort of in there, but it's like when, as soon as I start getting into that hypnagogic state, I'm, I'm entered into this, this dream where there's forms or tables is the only way I can think of it. Like there's things that come up and there's this, an a, an AI thing that separates it out and it, and it automatically sort of, uh, comes to the right answer and tells me which one's which, which one's which, but it's, it's a constant thing that's just flipping up, flipping up, flipping up. It might be like maybe the thinking about the office or thinking about something else or thinking about, and it, it's, it's just this weird, this weird, uh, it's psychedelic in a way. I can't even get to a full sleep because it's just this constant hypnagogic loop of what uh, office? like almost like a fever dream in a way. Right. What office are you thinking of? This office here. I'm just saying like, like your whatever it is, whatever it is, it's, it's, it dissects it in a way. And then 
gives me accurate sort of information on these forms or functions or or tables. I can't even describe. I can't even describe it, dude. It's very strange. Sounds crazy. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I know it does. It is. It is. It's fucking crazy. So, uh-huh. I know. I thought it, my natural immunity would last a little longer. So now I got to. Uh, me too. I got to figure out how the how I can get official documentation that I've had a fresh. A fresh case. That's not going to, I don't know how you're going to do that unless you pay for it. You'd have to pay for I have a those, PCR test. I have those test uh, kits those from. Those don't count. What? Those don't if I send count. it in? I don't know who you'd send it to. Well, they, they do the FedEx thing. I, I'm going well, like to. Well, that's like all set online. They can app. watch me do it, watch me do it. And then. I don't think you can just do that at any time. No. I think it's really part of that quarantine thing. I might just go to i It's probably worth me just to go to i and get it and get official results. Worth more than what? Spending 10 minutes in Photoshop? It might be <laughs> interesting to have another official result. You should do that, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so, anyways, uh, here I am. I think it'll... I don't think it'll last very long this time, but it's definitely... I can feel the synthetic nature of it, and it fucking stinks. It's super uncomfortable, super restless. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's too bad. Half the house has it, half the house doesn't. You know... Because everyone I, else I know who got it twice was in bad shape, but you're not in that bad of shape. You're a pretty healthy guy. Like everybody that's got it twice was in bad condition, like no bad shape, physical or, shape. Or when they Athletic. got it the second time, or before yeah. they got oh I period see. period, like they were what I would classify as unhealthy people. Yeah, no, I'm pretty on. I mean, I'm pretty um, pudgy right now. Like, I'm I'm way heavier well than I should be. I'm like, well. I do eat well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that you know they're drinking and not getting. Enough oh yeah, sleep. yeah. I mean, that's true. The only I'm, I mean, I've got it's an extra fifteen pounds on me. Really, that's about it. Fifteen twenty pounds, but yeah, I know that fifteen twenty pounds. It's like I caught a twenty pound, twenty five pound fish this weekend. There you go. The other direction. I did catch a big fucking fish this weekend, though. It was a monster. A monster. I put the picture in the chat. Well, we wish you well, buddy. I mean, that's too bad. That's a real son of a bitch. That you got COVID again. I mean, it really just it ruins everything. <laughs> Why? Well, because we had the high ground. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. No. Not oh, anymore. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone gets the fucking <laughs> shit end of this day. Yeah, oh, well, hopefully I don't get COVID again. I might have had it again. I had the sniffles there a couple weeks ago. I just didn't think, or I I left all my tests in Arizona, mm. so that's a problem. But yeah, this is a fantastic chat with Chris. Man, he he's such a um, inspiring dude. You know, come from a super hard background, and and he just you know figures out how to build that resilience and that proper level of stress and that's good well you build some resilience over there too buddy and uh the rest of you we'll keep it short and sweet let grant i got a quote i got a quote for you quickly because it kind of you know i got a quote a a quote a quote a covid quote quote. yeah no just a quote because this is from uh, the book i'm reading the lectures of ancient philosophy and i and i pasted it in here and is this going to affect your output uh, or work? Well, I worked the the other day. The other day, like, so you... like yesterday when I okay. got it. 
when I had it. Okay. But then I can't. Today I was in bed all day. I can't even talk much. So uh, uh, yeah, I we'll see. see this Hopefully is, it doesn't affect my narration abilities. <laughs> I need a week off. <laughs> yeah, you could just ask for a week off anytime. Anyway, so this uh, is you it. I mean, this kind of fit, this kind of fits in with with Chris too, in a way. I mean, so this it says the sham of civilization is apparent when we realize that it forces the majority of people to assume false lives. Because he talks quite a bit about being authentic, like just living, like he's like just his authentic self. You know, one day he's cutting down a tree, the other day he's working for his business, you know, um, to live in conflict with their inner convictions. The idealist must keep silent or be reviled. The thinker must hold his peace or be persecuted. The mystic does not share his vision with the world, which, though aware that he is right, will crucify him, if not in body, at least in soul. Hence, those with little knowledge babble continuously, and their words become the laws of men, while those of nobler vision must remain unknown, unhonored, and unsung. Never can we rise to the true heights seen by the eyes of the idealist while we are in the servitude to the inferior part of ourselves. So that's from my Manly P. Hall's lectures on ancient philosophy. Coming out soon. Coming out soon. Adultbrain.ca. Head over to grandamericaoutlaw.ca. Check out other podcasts. What we really need you guys to do, though, is head over to grandamerica.ca slash support. Make a one-time donation. Sign up for a monthly uh, whatever you can do to help us keep going over here in our value for value endeavors, keep it uh, keep it going and worthwhile, and hopefully everyone's getting some value from it, and help Graham get through his COVID again. Maybe send him some well wishes or just some cash, or maybe we just euthanize him. I don't know. Go ahead, you got your finger up. No, no, I just I got a bio for Chris. You got a bio. Weapon? You got a bioweapon? I heard that one, dude. Like a so hundred fucking Chris, Chris Dustin is a father, husband, champion, teacher, engineer, author, coach. The only man to squat and deadlift a thousand pounds for reps. You should go and for he, that. You should <laughs> um, you should you should fucking tie him. The world the world you may the world may know him as the mad scientist of strength because he also invents stuff and he's a bit of an engineer. He's he grew up in the woods, um, as you know, skinning rattlesnakes and chasing dragonflies in the early eighties. Uh, so he's had this real unconventional life, but he also went through school very smart. He was very smart academically, did really well in, in uh in college and then uh business process reengineering and they started up his own Stuff as well. He's got uh, his book, The Eagle and the Dragon, Kabuki Strength, Build Fast Formulas, Barefoot Athletics, um, all at chrisduffin.com. chrisduffin.com, america.ca slash support. Enjoy this chat with Chris Duffin, and hopefully, oh my God, I hope that's not COVID. <laughs> yeah, you got it too. Nah, I was having some cigars on the weekend, so it's probably just from that. I mean, I was really busted ass loading boats, unloading boats. The water is insanely low, so it's like trucking through fucking mud to do anything. Oh, wow. Really? Eh? I think it'll rain for a couple of weeks, so and it'll be all right. It's supposed to rain all week. But you got a good couple of fish. Did you catch a lot of uh, walleye? Oh, yeah. A ton. A ton of walleye. Like how many? Oh, I don't know. I don't count. I <laughs> caught maybe. Like over 10 or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe 20 or 30. Wow, that's great. And you ate them too? 
we kept, I think, seven. Nice. That's we great. We ate some out there. Nice. Yeah, it's the only way to fly, really. I'm ready to get out of the quad, though, honestly, and get out of the mountains and go play around out there with the guns and stuff. And then uh, give the fish a couple more weeks, finish spawning. Or wait for a new moon, maybe? Full moon? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the chat with Chris Duffin. Duffin, welcome to Grand America. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, some good conversation this afternoon. Yeah, it's one of those things where I was reading your book and I thought, you know, you're going to have a little bit in common with me and with Darren. I mean, uh, from the entrepreneurial side and the kind of like motivation to just take responsibility and get shit done, you know, I mean, you're you're a doer like Darren. But we've also had similarities in, uh, in corporate sort of process re-engineering type stuff. And yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun chat. Yeah, yeah. What uh, What did you, like, did you, uh, I mean, you have such an interesting story, an interesting, uh, you know, background. I mean, you've got some, some, some records and weightlifting and stuff. I mean, what, what did you, did you think you had a book in you like this uh, all along? Or what, why did you decide to kind of just write, you know, write your story down like this? You know, I've always known that there was... <laughs> that there was at least a book in there, uh, if not a movie. And I sound, I know that sounds kind of silly, but, uh, but I think at an early age, I knew that things were a little different, that there was, there was a, a story there. And actually, in fact, there is a documentary coming out uh, later this year. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you can see the trailer on my, my site. If you go to uh, chrisduffin.com, uh, the, the trailers out for, uh, grand goals the movie but yeah i was there but it wasn't until you know i was in my like late 30s and i was sitting there you know looking at my children and they were getting to be a little bit older and starting to think and see life not through my own eyes but through the eyes of of a parent looking backwards on that. And I've always, I wouldn't change what I've been through for it, for anything, but it brought just incredible sadness to me kind of thinking about my children being in those experiences. And, but also the fact that there was so much that I wanted to share from the life that I lived as far as it's a pretty big scope and not saying it's worse or harder than anybody else's, or I achieved more or nothing like none of that. But I did have a very incredible scope of 
in the journey of life. And that's given me a lot of perspective. And, and that was the impetus to, to really sit down and, you know, take the effort, uh, not just the effort of writing, but the effort of really diving through those memory banks and reliving uh, a lot of that process, which was not, uh, not necessarily the most pleasant at times either. Did you, did you do any process to get back into those memories? Cause that, that's a really good point. I mean, the, you, you get into the details of your childhood, which to me, like I try to remember some of my childhood and man, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And given the things that I've been through with some pretty, well, stressful, traumatic type, uh, endeavors, there's, there is a lot of blanks in there. I mean, there's, I swear, there's like what feels like missing years. So I used a, a skilled interviewee uh, in that process to really drive. Cause it's like, you try to tell the story and it's like, Hey, something doesn't make sense. And so, you know, having somebody pull that out of you is something that I really, I needed in that process instead of me just trying to, to sit down and connect those dots and somebody go, well, why did that happen? Who was that again? How does that reference? And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not thinking through, um, you know, all of that. And so, uh, it, it really forces you to, to dig a little deeper so that the interview process is, is incredible. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. So, I mean, I keep, I kept thinking while reading your book that, that your childhood had, I mean, I, I would like to call you an overachiever in a positive way. I don't want that to come across with negative connotations, but I mean, the, the stuff that you've been able to do in your life, the people you've been able to help, um, uh, the businesses you've started, the businesses you've helped. I mean, you know, you've been through kind of a, like a mini recovery process as well, but I feel like your, your childhood uh, almost set you up for that in a way, like not in a bad way, but like you couldn't be that without your childhood. And then I think about all the people that, that kind of, the kind of, uh, you know, the kids nowadays that are distracted with stuff, but you I mean, you were out, I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your childhood and what you've done, but do you think that that's a real core part about how you became, who you are? I think it is, but I don't want to, to, you know, make people think that they have to have those experiences to, you know, push people to that level, because that's what I learned in that process is really the mental perspective. And that's what I try to share, but yeah, it, you know, well, the overachieving part well, certainly, you know, this, this kid from the sticks that grew up, you know, homeless, learning how to capture live rattlesnakes at six years old and living in tree forts and foraging for mushrooms and figuring out how to catch grasshoppers so I can, you know, fish from a stream. And you, know, you got to bathe by filling up some gallon jugs in the in the stream and letting them sit out in the sun or during the winter. You got a shack and you do the same thing with a wood stove so you can step out back in the snow and try to clean off. So you're not made fun of as much because of how you smell. And, you know, you're you're dealt with people looking at you when you walk in a store. You're dealt with dealing with people preying on you know, the whole population of very poor and underprivileged people in these remote areas, which you know, I dive into in the book with corrupt police, a serial killer, human trafficking, sex trafficking, molestation, rapes, like, yeah, that's, you know, you're, you're viewed as lesser than, lesser than human. And I came out of that going, you know what, 
I'm going to be better than you physically. I'm going to be better than you mentally. I'm going to crush you at business. I'm going to do everything. So yeah, I was an overachiever. I was a state level, you know, athlete. Uh, I was valedictorian. I got a full ride academic scholarship. I, you know, I smoked through college like it was nothing. And, you know, somehow figured out how to to speak and connect with people, you know, even though I didn't really have a lot of that experience growing up and I uh, ended up kind of excelling in the corporate world and then walked away from, from that after, you know, being the guy that, that came in and turn around companies and in uh, the automotive and aerospace and high tech and started my own stuff. Oh yeah. And lifted some weights and, you know, I did all that. Like, yeah. That, where do you, where do you think that came from? Like, of course, there's a mental aspect to like, I wanted to be prove everybody that I was not lesser and I would do it in every fashion. I would not. And, and so there, there's that aspect of that, but there's an interesting side though, too. And, and this comes from your comment about the people distracted by things. And it's something I've been given a fair bit of thought to lately is, you know, I, the creativity side, the, the things that you see in the work that I do, you know, cause I've, you know, for the audience that doesn't know who I do, but I, uh, I, I invent things. Uh, I do a lot of things on the creative side with bringing both processes and products to the world uh, that uh, really change the game in regards to biomechanics and neurology. And in the same time, like I dabble in things like building vehicles from the ground up suspension and uh, steering design and, you know, houses. And all, I'm always like, making something like it's just like that's what i do and it's like where where are the roots of that that's I that's what I'm, that's what i'm getting at like it seems like to yeah. me it seems like to me because you had this childhood where you were figuring shit out in nature and and you explained in your book when you were a waiter how you saw the whole restaurant and you were able to wait like three times the tables of everybody else because you saw the process of them them eating and the speed and the fit and whether they're finished or not i mean there's this sort of inherent uh, analysis going on. And it's saying, and I think it helps with your process reengineering going into a company and saying, let's get rid of all this waste and increase the throughput. I mean, you've got this natural talent to do all that. Like was nature, did nature play that? Seemingly yeah. interconnected web of a lot of stuff that is really hard to categorize down and refine, but it's a, a web that you can see. But you know, some of the, the early ones, I got questioned on this and it was an interesting thing is I dove into the answer. Again, this was another kind of like interview process from a friend of mine and wanting to know, like, when is the first time that you designed something that you created something like, when did this kick? <laughs> and then, you know, I'd think about something and it'd go earlier and earlier, earlier and earlier. earlier to the woods and, or to the, maybe as a kid even. Right. Yeah. So, and it got to where we would go shopping at the dump. So that was, we'd find old landfills. We'd go to the dump when it wasn't closed. Uh, sometimes, you know, we're living on, you know, properties that have been abandoned and moved on. But like in the Northern California area, people would do kind of this landfill thing with garbage on properties too. And so you'd have this that way back in, and that's what I did, you know, I'd go out there and we would 
mix. I didn't have toys. I didn't have things. And it would literally be, you know, pulling out, you know, a, an old frame for a broken bike and pulling out another piece and like creating and making things because that's, that's all that I had to work with. And that's, that's how we provided for ourselves. Like is literally going into other people's garbage and finding what is useful. How can we make this into something that is going to enhance our life? And I think I mentioned that just in passing in my autobiography, like the shopping at the dumps thing. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm, I'm starting to realize just how much that had right. on the creative side, the outlet of understanding and seeing, you know, the resource availability that other people couldn't see, right. Looking at this big giant mess of garbage and going, I see something it's over here and over here. And how am I going to, how, how am I going to do something? Because it's like, otherwise you have nothing. Like how, how old do I you think of string to pull up a tarp so that it doesn't rain on me. Like, and I can't afford going to, you know, what it's like, Oh, Hey, there's some twine. There's something off of, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I can remake, I can fashion that in a, in a, in a manner that can, that can be positive for me. And so, so yeah, those roots tie way back and like how, how far really back do you think? Like before kindergarten, like before school as a, as a baby yeah. three, four years old even, or yes. Yeah. So yeah. you think it's nature or nurture? <laughs> well, I think there's a little of both. So let's, that's an interesting discussion, right? Um, because, you know, a lot of people would use like my story going, Hey, here it is. All you got to do is work hard. Anybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Look, Chris did it. Yeah. And I, I relate this discussion back to strength training. I, I, there's so many things. I'll, I mix. I got a lot of analogies with vehicles and analogies with strength training. Uh, and and everybody has a different. So the interesting thing about like developing resilience, which is developing your ability to handle more in life, right? Everybody can increase that. You can't just walk in and be, you know, at world-class level and be able to perform a workout that somebody like that does. And so it takes every time pushing a little bit harder, a little bit harder, making sure that you got your rest. So it's not burning the candle on both ends because that's going to just destroy you. Right. So everybody can, can, can improve their ability to tolerate stress. Right. And that's body, mind, and soul. Now the workout is the body part. Right. And so over time you get better and better and better, but the baseline, everybody has a different baseline level. Right. And so I got thrown into, you know, being born into a world of significant stress and trauma. And most of the people around me that had the same conditions, they're dead. They're in prison. We're in the woods somewhere, you know, scraping by and on drugs. They're somewhere along that, right? It destroyed them. And it was not that they weren't good enough, but I obviously had a, a little higher baseline or significantly higher baseline ability to tolerate that stress. So some people could walk into the gym their first time, you know, throw 225 on the bar and squat it for 10, 15 reps, right? maybe even more, but a lot of people, you go in there and it's going to crush them. It's going to hurt them. It may break them, right? So the baseline is different. 
And everybody can tear it, can stair step it through your lifetime to handle more. But we have to understand that uh, that baseline level. And that's where the, the, you know, the bootstrap thing doesn't take into that because what happens if I come in, you're thrown in life uh, doing uh, daily doubles, you know, three, four hour workouts, uh, doing CrossFit, you know, training for the game seven days a week at that level. It's going to fuck you up and it's going to break you. It doesn't matter. Um, you have to be a, you know, some genetic freak to be able to, to withstand that to start with. And that's, that, that's the reality of the world. Like it's not, not fair, but that's, that's it. So that's like a built-in hierarchical system, basically, you know, it's like we can't get away from our genes, then they're not equal. They're not equal. They might be equal in a broader, on a broader spectrum. They might be equal on a broader spectrum if we had a better chart, you know, if we could like really play it out over. Handle, be properly handle stress, it seems like. Like if you could. Yeah, but the people that can't do that might be better at something else, but life seems, you know, the way we got civilization geared up right now it re- rewards only one sector of yeah. our yeah. stuff you know yeah. yeah well the you know the the important thing to note here though is that everybody can increase it right and if you don't use it you lose it as well yeah and so this is incredibly important you know if i if i break my arm there's two interesting things that happen one is i stress the bone I caused a stress that's going to cause some adaptation, which actually stimulates the process for it to heal. But I have no stress now on the the muscular tissue tissue while it's in that cast. And I take it off six months later and it's atrophied. The process of atrophy starts almost immediately. And if I left that cast on there for a couple of years, the bone would also get brittle and break. If I, Woke up every day and my elbow hurt and I wrapped it with, you know, wrapped it up with a, with a big wrap. What would it do? It would get, it would get weaker. And in fact, it would make other parts of my body have to overwork and compensate and probably have issues as well. And so it's super important that we challenge ourselves on a regular basis because stress, demand, struggle is the essence of life. And this isn't, you know, me speaking philosophical or ethereal. This is, uh, I like to use the example, I probably overuse it, of the, uh, the biodome with uh, the trees in there for a long time. They couldn't figure out what would happen. They would grow to a certain height and they just fall over. Didn't matter what kind of tree it was, just fall over. And what they found out is there was no wind beating against it, right? And so the same thing, the bark is weak and brittle, like all this, like it needed the environment, you know, the, the rock that's, or the tree that's sitting out there on a little precipice of a rock and, you know, it's tiny and scraggly because it's always beat, but it's, it's alive. And that is the essence is alive is like working against our environment, because if there is no demand imposed, no struggle, no strife. There is no life. And so us always wanting to be on the other side, let's get the business to the certain point. Let's get, we're going to retire. We're going to get to that state and then it's going to be easy. That's what it's going to be all worth it. And it's like, 
That's the end. That's the end. It's over if you get to that point. Right. But again, don't take the message wrong. I don't need to throw out any hustle or grind porn of like just drive, 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 you know, 24 seven, like that's going to kill you too. Right. So you've got to have that, you know, if you, you know, bust your ass all week and you're going to take some time with your family over the weekend, or you've been slaving away on a project for six, nine months and you take, you know, a week off and go to Arizona or wherever, like that's great. Now, if you stayed chilling at the beach, drinking Mai Tais for three months, you're going to get soft. You're going to get weak gonna, in your body, in your mind, and everywhere. And that's an important thing for me to really drive home. And if you think about it from the workout perspective, like the things that you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you quit using your arm, like put a cast on there. Yeah, it atrophies. It gets weak. That's, that's freaking life. So that kind of gets back to that distraction of the youth right now. Yeah. They don't have this, they don't have the same type of stress, right? It's probably a, it's more of a weird social kind of media stress, but not this physical environmental stress. Yeah. So we are creating a culture where things are catered to you. Like you are the consumer and, and, and that is the goal is to have, you know, great media to engage you in super palatable food to keep your, your, your pleasure. It's gotta be, it's gotta be tasty all the time. It's gotta be like, and the thing is we need hardship. And then we'll also look at the types of stress, like not everything can we adapt to. Okay. You know, stress is good, but like some traumatic stuff, like it's going to have an effect on people and yeah, you can use it still to leverage. Like, don't like, why would I just let that be what defines me and not, uh, it's, it's happened. I can't change it. Why not still turn that around to be positive? But at the same time, you don't have to have that to, to go to the next level. Right. And just like training the body, like I can put, you know, demands on the joints that are things that are not adaptable uh, from a tissue standpoint. And the only output is it's going to grind and wear you down a little bit. And so there's that with everything. Right. And so some of like the stresses that are thrown in the world today that you mentioned, like uh, can be a lot of like lead to a lot of anxiety or other issues. And so they may not be developing emotional resilience. They might be developing emotional brittleness, right? Weakness, the same thing. So, so it's, it's, we always have to be aware of, of those concepts, right? Yeah, that must be, I mean, I, I'm just putting it together now that that's how you've developed some of your, your equipment, your Kabuki strength yeah. stuff is, is probably to, and I, I don't know this, I'm speculating, but probably to put the right type of stress on your body and not the wrong type of stress that's going to wear you down. Exactly. Yeah. So what, you know, from a, I won't spend a bunch of time I, uh, here, but it's exactly that. So it's respecting, you know, it's, it's all about respecting the joints and getting them in the proper position and getting the tissue so we can get the maximal results while taking away the negative stresses that we can't adapt to. And then at the same time, improving the neurological inputs, which improves the movement patterns and positioning at the end of the day, you enhance the total effect that you can get while minimizing one, both the potential for injury breaking as well as the 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 cumulative load that you can't adapt to so here's a really important concept so you know there there's so much 
things that you can adapt to like stress. Right. And so if we've got stuff that we can adapt to, and then like a cumulative load of other things that we can't, that's going to reduce our capacity of the things that we can adapt to. So like if I'm moving poorly, I mentioned, you know, like walk into the gym and do 20, 225 for, for squat and for 20, you know, starting out, like if I'm moving like crap, it's going to cause me to not be able to do that very frequently. If the better I move, the better positions I get, the better, you know, inputs I get on the system, what does that allow me to do? It allows me to now do that more frequently, more intensity in the training, we would call that load, right? Um, With more volume. And if you do more of that in a shorter period of time, what happens? You get stronger. And so that same thing applies in these other areas of life, right? If I can pull out like some of the stuff that is that falls in that category, it's going to allow me to get better results from what I'm doing and maybe, maybe hitting it more frequently, right. challenging right. myself in the business world, in my relationships, all this stuff, development more, right? Yeah. And the more yeah. I do it, the more you grow faster. It's this stair step, right? Yeah. It's just like in the Bible and it says to those that have more will be given. Yeah. You know, it always wow, Darren with the Bible quote. What's going on? I don't know. I mean, I know that part of it. I, the second part is like the, to those who don't, first here. to those who don't have everything will be taken away. I mean, it's in all the Napoleon Hill stuff and that sort of stuff, you know, it's in that all that sort of literature that that line. So yeah, it's kind of that the new it it does your your stuff fits in well with the sort of the manifesting the new, you know, the new thought type stuff where you're you're really uh you know, it's, it's not just, uh, and I want to talk to you about dreams and visions, but it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to word it, but you know, it's purposeful choice though. Let's make a distinction yes. here. Okay. Uh, because it's, you know, let's say the business world, you know, you're sitting there and you've got, you know, maybe a, a problem employee, you know, something that's happening and it's like, ah, I mean, I shouldn't, you know, I'll just ignore it. It'll go away or a conversation with a, with a coworker or your boss or something along those lines. That's like creating a little twist and anxiety in your, in your gut. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't want to deal with that. You know, just ignore it. And that's your signal because the sooner you make that choice, that's your workout. That's your stair step. That's your, and it could be could be you making big moves. It could be you applying for a job. It could be you, you raising your hand, asking for this project that nobody else wants. And it scares the shit out of you. It could be you launching your own business, going back to school, making a career change. Could be picking up the uh, phone. conversation with your partner <laughs> or your family. Like it could be any one of these, right? And that's your workout. That's your opportunity to step into this arena that's going to create some stress. It's going to test you. And on the other side of it, it's this, and going in, it's this sense of unknown. Like you're scared of it. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You can't guarantee it. You can't walk into it going, this is the known outcome on the other side. And so you having the willingness to jump into that is going to give you the confidence that you know next time going, 
I did that. I overcame that. It wasn't so bad. I can do the next one. And you've got a little more confidence. You take it to another level. Next thing you know, it's a big business deal that you're brokering that you had never been able to, to handle before. Right. And it just keeps going. But you have to you have to know I have the confidence. I have the ability to be scared. And step into it. I've done this before. I can come out on the other end. And that's 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 a big, powerful thing. And those are your opportunities to know. And I can't tell you every single one of those is going to turn out in your favor. Don't be like, Chris, you told me to freaking start step my own business fear, and it yeah. failed. Yeah. Well, I can't guarantee that, but I can't, can guarantee that you doing that is going to make you a stronger and more resilient version of yourself. I want, I had a note here about resilience and principles, and I think it was in regards to the way you're brought up. I mean, the interesting part about, about this is that so many people just, uh, also just want to get off grid now too. I mean, they're like, I want to go out of society. And I mean, your mom and your dad and your stepdad as well. I mean, they had these principles and they took, you know, they grew, they went off grid completely. I mean, they're like, Hey, we're going to you know, raise a family in the woods basically. But I, I feel like those principles that they had, um, helped with the resilience somehow maybe all the stuff that they went through they stuck to sort of their guns on certain things you know they did uh so and that was that was a component like there's so much in life that should have told my mother to go a different direction but she still lives out in the desert by herself doing her mining and just like doing her thing. And she said that the, you know, this is the way I'm going to live my life. And she made it happen. And a lot of people would downlook, you know, the way that she raised her family, the things that she's done in her life. And that's easy to do. And you know, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to get up here and, you know, say that it was all great, her choices, but at the same day, same time, she built in me the confidence to live the way that I want to be who I choose right. to be. Yeah. And so it's interesting. She built her own world, like m- moved out of society. And I look at what I've done and I've created my own within. I just said, this is the way I'm going to do. Like when people ask me, what's your job, Chris? <laughs> you know what I did the day before yesterday? I took out an ax. I had a tree to take down in my yard and I freaking took down the tree and I trimmed it fully with the ax. And, and, uh, like, that's my job for the day. I'm going to post that on the media and talk about like what that means (laughs) and other stuff. And it's just like, you know, maybe I'm going to work on my vehicle. Maybe I'm going to work on my business. Like I, my job is to be my authentic self. That's fucking crazy. (laughs) Like that's, just back for the, like that's fucking crazy. Like, um, and, and uh, where did I get that? I got that from this crazy gun toting woman that uh, <laughs> lived life on her terms. <laughs> yeah, and she, but I mean, you know, she. There was also some into into it. Some sort of there's there's a spiritual part of the journey as well. You know, she had some yeah. intuition there that could have saved your life a couple times. I mean, it's really. I, we don't. You don't have to get into all that, but I, I just wanted to sort of bring that in for context too. That it's, uh, it's it's very well rounded. Your your view of everything, you know, from the physical, the mental, the spiritual. I mean, it's it's uh, it was pretty mind blowing to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I don't get a whole lot into uh, that side of it, but uh, you know, that's where a lot of, you know, kind of the foundation stuff, you know, early in my book, it was communal living in Northern California out in the mountains. Uh, my father spent three years in the, you know, Tibetan monasteries. Uh, there was a, a lot on that side. And, and I can't say that I have all that figured out enough to articulate any of it. Um, but uh, yeah. And uh, there's certainly a lot of crazy stories. Like again, my mom figuring uh figuring out the human trafficking and serial killer thing while, uh, while she was behind bars, which ended up saving, uh, all of us kids, you know, basically life. Uh, and, uh, it's like, where, where do you put a finger on that stuff? It's a little yeah. hard to explain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and also, you know, the, from the, from the fire, I mean, you had a full, you had a whole, uh, you know, some, some, uh, what, what did you call that live guilt or guilt, uh, survival guilt yeah. from, you know, she kept yeah. you from going to your friend's house and that whole thing came, you know, went on fire that night and killed the family. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, you're sending uh, goosebumps down my body right now. Yeah. 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 So did you, did yeah, that you, was, yeah. I mean, lots of stories. Yeah, There's a lot did, of stories. There's a lot more than that's in the book too. Well, I mean, and you hear about these human trafficking things, but to hear it first, like, you know, firsthand from your book there where your mom kind of figured that out. She had that intuition to, to stay away from that cop. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting to hear it uh, from a non sort of conspiratorial perspective. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you about dreams and visions because you have uh, you have something really articulated in your book about dreams versus visions. You know, um, you can have a vision of something, but uh, maybe you can try and articulate that. I just have a note here about dreams and visions. I mean, I feel like you know we all have these dreams, but the visions are different. Yeah. So and, and we'll probably dive a bit into to goal setting as well. Yeah, because right. I think that there's yeah. some some big misconceptions or missed approaches there exactly and to me it's it's just the the gap the miss in my maybe my educational environment where i had so many people you know always preaching you know you can't do anything unless you unless you can dream it first and it's all about being a big dreamer and it's in my life as i've as i've moved on i've known so many people that were big dreamers and they're still there with those dreams and nothing's moved anywhere. And it comes to me down to really understanding the depths of everything it takes to get somewhere And this, the, the long road, the hardship, it's not about like imagining this instant success and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're the next tiger woods or anything of of whatever your dream is, right? It's the drudgery. It's the years of not moving forward or not feeling like you're moving forward and all the work that's got to get done, but all those little steps along the way that are many stepping stones that, that are moving you there and all the alternative routes that could be to similar things that realize that same effect. And that's a vision. So a vision is something that's good, should scare the fuck out of you. If you think about everything in it and you look at it and it's like, I don't know if I can do that. Right, right. right. That's it. Yeah. But now 
you've got a roadmap, you've got a vision. And that's what a vision should be. It should be this giant picture of everything because there's no way, because what, what it demands is that you take a step right now, today, towards that. And if you're sitting there waiting for that big thing, it's going to just be that, that scholarship. I'm going to get picked up by ESPN. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And you're waiting and waiting for these big giant things to, to populate. They're not going to happen because you've got to be in there. You've got to be in the mix going. It may be five years. It feels like you've never moved anywhere. But every day, every week, every month, you're doing the work that needs to be done to move you that direction. And the next thing you know, you're going to turn back and you're going to look back at the 10 years behind you and realize, oh, my God, that's how far I came. So it's a mixture of like, this grand vision of everything in that map. And it should be scary and ugly. Like that when you think about it, it's overwhelming. Fuck. I can't do that because now you've got to now switch that, that vision off and focus on the fucking shit in front of you. But what am I going to do today? And this is where people get lost. Right. This is where people, they want to feel like they're doing something. And you, you end up with creating goals and bucket lists and, and, and all these things that you can check off and get done and make yourself feel like you're, you're doing things. And it's just busy work. It's life. It's like getting, you know, moving and, and one week to the next. And you're like, yep, I went, uh, I went camp and I did this, like, you know, whatever it is, it's, like I said, it could be your bucket list, right? Like all these amazing things that I want to, to check off, but they're not anything that's aligned with that. And next thing you know, 10 years has gone by, not even 10 days, 10 years. And you haven't taken a single fucking step. You're 45 years old. You wanted to be somewhere and you're like, shit, I never even, I never even take a step. And next thing you know, you're on your deathbed and you're laying there and reflecting on life. And it's, I coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Because all you did was just let life live you. You went through the motions and did some things to entertain yourself along the way, but you did not live your being, your authentic self. The God, that sounds so cheesy. No, it's, I know, no, but, but I, you know, hey, dude, it's, but, it's, it's the best way to describe it. It really is. Yeah. And, I like Buddy's way uh, too. And he said, you got to be, you got to be a human doing, not a human being. Yeah. That was Doobie Doobie Doo guy. So, uh, I forget. Amit Goswami. Amit Goswami. Because, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is everyone just, I was going to say, no one ever just wakes up when they're, you know, at the retirement party and goes, you know, this is. This is what I wanted, you know? I wanted to do a fucking 45 years at fucking General Electric, and now I can hang my hat on it. And, I mean, I use that example because we've got a guy who did 45 years at General Electric or something like that and then retired, and I was just talking to him at one of our events down in... uh, Utah? In Utah. And he's like, dude, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, I just started living 
as I started like expanding my consciousness <laughs> and, well, and, 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 and so, all of that. And he, and, he, and he's the guy that's I embraced somebody, in retirement at least because a lot of a lot of them go the opposite and they they fall right after retirement. So. Well, he looks at all of his work life as just being a waste of time now, like a total waste of time because I was like I was just stuck in that fucking grind with nothing. He's like. And now he's started listening to these podcasts and stuff like that. And he's like, now I, you know, but, uh, I tell you right now, um, you know, and it hits home. I had a, I had a friend commit suicide yesterday. Right. And it's like, you know, thinking about things. If my time came today, I'm happy. Right. Because I know I left nothing on the plate. I have lived the way that I want to live and I've made my mark by touching the people around me and leaving this world for the better. Maybe not and, happy. Maybe happy is not a good word. And, maybe, maybe and, like not well, regretful. <laughs> no regrets. No, like, remove the word happy. However you want to frame that. But like <laughs> it's, that's where, that's where I'm at. And, and so my point, you know, it's, you know, I said, uh, you know, you're the PG, the next Tiger Woods or whatever. It, it, it's honestly, it's and that that's the starting point. So the vision has to be a little bit more. So it is, you can use the things that you materialistically want, the house or car, whatever it is. I'll use the, I use those quite a bit uh, for some analogy perspectives. I might go into them here or not. Uh, or it could be position, like I said, you know, the next NFL star, a surgeon, a blah, blah, blah. And ask yourself why you want those things. Because this vision really needs to be more of a way of living. It's something that you can never actually be and check off, right? And so you're going to get there and you have to start using those peeling back those layers, like in the process improvement world, we have this thing called the the five whys and you just dig deeper and deeper and deeper over time to really understand that. And you get to this nugget of these roots of things that yes, being, you know, the leader on the PGA tour is a way of realizing those values but it's like what are they because it's it's creating this thing and again it sounds cheese like it's this north star because this is how you can get to a point of like every day how can i take a step closer i'm never going to get there but i can get a little bit closer every day and then over time i said you you look back and it's like oh this way of living and being that's what i want that's why i said if my time comes Today, tomorrow, next week, I know that that path here was the way that I wanted to live. Yeah. That's... Maybe I didn't do everything else in the future along the path that I have done or want to do, but that's it. You know? And, yeah. I think that's the so... most important aspect is, 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 is that question that you asked and, and you ask it in your book too. Why, why do you want that? And it's the process that's more important. So how do you, how do you, and you might've answered this, but how, how do you, how do you reconcile that what to do next in that moment and make sure that's on your vision? Or how do you, how do you, is there a tie in there that you, that you do without writing lists and having these specific goals, lists. but you know, being authentic in that moment and making sure that you're on your vision, <laughs> you know, I think that's uh, why I like Peterson stuff because I always think it's important to start with something like that. So you know what the fuck you want before you waste a bunch of time getting there. Because I know yeah. a ton of people who like are where they, 
thought they wanted to be when they finished high school. And now they're like, motherfucker, this sucks. And because they didn't really think it out or they didn't keep like, and I'm a victim of that. You know, I wanted to be an iron worker and then I wanted to be the boss. And then, you know, it still sucks. (laughs) But, but, and then it's like, um, I think that's okay as long as you can keep shifting that. If you can get there and be like, okay, well, what's what's next? What's next? What's next? Because it's not like, I want to be an NFL star. I want to be a surgeon. Like I gave those examples. Like, why do you want those things? And so painting this picture comes down to creating this as like a value set. So for me, like some big drivers for me, sense of challenge or accomplishment, right? You could see that why that in my nature, right? I, I need to be pushing myself, my limits, exploring what that is continual learning, a sense of family. And I say sense, there's a very distinct difference between family and not, or sense of community. Uh, Words are important. Creativity, having, you know, with creativity within my work in my life. Uh, (laughs) Lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, to to uh, to line to line up the your what you're doing now to the vision you know yeah so yeah, that's a good way them, to do some it some of them may be counter to the yeah. others so like yeah. this sense of pushing oneself in challenge right yeah uh, on the ops other side of that I have I I want to to have security I want to make sure that I can take care of my family and right. they're not going to end up in the situation like they are so right. they work against each other and we need to take ego out of these things too. Yeah. Like I like a sense of recognition uh, or I like, I like recognition because, you know, I want to know that the the things that I've done or things that I've accomplished, uh, you know, have some earned some respect or whatever it is. Um, And so you really need to remove those things from that. But why is that, that you want, you know, a position that maybe has uh, some fame associated with this? Because it could be any number of these things. The example I use in my book is, is the, uh, that one that is security versus, uh, I guess, more of a, uh, a fame type thing, uh, recognition, whatever. Uh, but it's around the house. Like if you don't know, if you all you want is like, I want these things. And the underlying thing is to have secu- to, you know, if you once you get there, you have security. You could over leverage yourself and actually move backwards and be like sitting there hating your life anxiety, depression, all this. It's like, I have all the things that I ever wanted on my list. That was my list. I got it done. Right. And didn't understand why. And you actually moved the opposite direction. So that's why it's like your goals are a way of realizing a life that lives that. Right. And so, you know, you talked about, well, I wanted to be an iron worker. I wanted to be a boss. Like it, it shifts around. And, and so you need to think about it. Now we're taking this map further instead of a distinct end position, going right now I'm looking at this giant tree and I'm, you know, I'm down here at the trunk and there's a million different outcomes that I could be, you know, 30, 40 years from now. But if I know how the way I want to live, I can move that path towards that. I can take these steps towards that North star. And as I get closer and closer, I'm going to start figuring out which little leaf, which end branch I'm going to end up on that path of where that's going to be is going to be much clearer instead of sitting here at high school going, there it is. 
that one way up there, up on the right corner over there. That's where I, that's what I want. I want to be that. That's a beautiful leaf. Look at the way its colors change. And that's, that's, that's the one that's where I'm going to be. That's a really poor way to look at things. And that's really how we're taught to, to look at it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even how you had your, I mean, you must've gone through this with uh, you know, business process reengineering, go into a company, you get rid of all the waste, you change it. That must've helped you know, now opening up your own company, designing that, designing the processes from scratch. Yep. You know, very yep. helpful along the way. Did you ever have imposter syndrome when you're younger? I mean, I, I went through a similar thing. I was learning about uh, theory of constraints and managing a department of technical people, 85 guys younger, sort of not in the, uh, in the business as far as like an expertise. Um, you know, I, I had to really lean on everybody else and open, I, it sounded similar to what you had to do in there too. listen to people, get them to respect you, use their ideas, that kind of thing, you know, have to make it seem like you're not going in there pushing your way around. Um, and then I guess the other question would be, is, do you ever feel now that you're sort of just working as your authentic self, do you ever feel like you're not productive? Do you ever have a weird feeling that, you know, you're, you're living this life that's fantastic, but do you f ever feel the lack of production? So a couple so, of big questions there, but sorry. Big, big questions. Uh, good ones though. So imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah when do you not, not deal with that? Holy shit. Like it, it'll come out of the nowhere, like through your whole life. Right. Cause it's like, who the fuck am I supposed you know, to do this? And everybody's like, well, you're the leading authority. Like, I got the best for that. I just go, well, then I'll just be the best damn imposter I can. Yeah, just be a fake it till you, fake it till you make it is a real thing. I mean, it, it can work you through some of those things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the approach on, um, the, you know, managing people, like I learned very early on that, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy, but if I try to believe that I'm, you know, my way is the best. And it is, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can't say that up front. <laughs> but I can't say that. And I can't force that because even if it is the best way, it's not going to be the best outcome. And so, you know, being able to set aside the fact that, you know, what the way I view it as being the best, and maybe it is the absolute best, is not going to lead for, to the success outcome. And, and so you, you know, setting that ego aside really can help you with going about like major change, cultural changes in organizations and focusing again on like, where are we going? Where's, where's the, the in picture painting that picture for people, uh, helping them understand how they fit in that process and what value they add and how they bring that and then getting their buy-in. And anytime that somebody owns something, even if it's not exactly the best way to get there. If they, if they believe it and they own it, it's going to happen better than any other way possible. Exactly, so yeah. even if it's not even the if best it's, path, exactly, it's going to be the best exactly, path. Exactly. Yeah. It's not yeah. worth that little uh, lack loss of uh, loss of uh, efficiency. If it's not their idea, it's not worth exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And you're taking the fun out of things too. I mean, because where's the process? We just talked about what's the process for self-growth. Right, right, right. It's stepping into the unknown. It's having the ability to fail and be wrong and coming out the other side. So how do you take that person, that, that little outcome of whatever project it is, it needs to be bigger than that because there's more coming. 
Yeah. There's more coming for you and them in the in the work environment. And next thing you know, there could be a whole lot more than that. You could be starting your own company itself 20 years down the road and you need help. And all of a sudden you got all these people coming to rally and support you or work on contract or leave their job at, at risk to come work for you. Not like I know this or anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they believe in you. You brought about massive change in their life. Yeah. You know, you're able to see like, oh, and now I've got this network of people that are running all these things all over within the industry because it's like, shit, why is everybody that worked for me like a plant manager or big wig at XX company? Like, um, and that's how you create that. So it goes, it goes so much further behind the little thing that you're working on at the moment, right? Yeah. Um, and, and and that's why. It's okay not to be the expert, but at the same time, having a background, you know, coming in as a complete, you know, outsider and just expecting to, you know, drive it through, uh, uh, through, through being a great leader, uh, or collaborator or whatever, uh, it's, it's still, still a valuable thing to, in my opinion, um, and it's, it's been in my work is, is to have the respect and the knowledge of being able to hands-on do every part of the process as well at, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. yeah. Do you, I mean, we should probably, before we run out of time, we should probably get, I'd love to ask you about your uh, unique lifting uh, technique, like how you actually, you know, did those, uh, <clears throat> those records when you did your lifting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a lifter, so I'm not too sure on the, on the, uh, on the verbiage and all that, but. It doesn't like, matter about feel, the lifting. Wait, you're not a, I feel like we're going to talk what? about lifting. Wait, there's a part of the tech. You're not, you're not a lifter? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swore you're a lifter. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, it's just the, the way you describe it. That you, there's that unique part of your engineering aspect that I feel like you've done with the biomechanics. It enables you to do more than you should be able to do, really. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Yeah, so in everything. Part. So when I talk about you know knowing all pieces of the process, right? Why did I lift? What was my reason for the lifting? Okay. So the reason I did some, so I, I, I'm the only person that's both, both squatted and deadlifted a thousand pounds and I did them for reps as well. And so there's been people that have done one or the other. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. to demonstrate that I'm not a specialist and there's a, and I chose those movements because they're two basic human fundamental movements. Um, the squat comes into completion around nine months of age is a, one of the final uh, patterns that's neurologically built into our, into our systems as we move from rolling to crawling, standing and walking. All right. And the deadlift is one of the other most basic fundamental patterns of being able to pick something up off the ground. And this is life. It's picking up a bag of groceries. It's picking up your grandkids. It's all these sorts of things. So these are two base movement patterns that every able-bodied person in the world uh, should be able to master. And they also uh, demonstrate the ability to control and manage the spine and spinal mechanics. Okay. And that's where if we look at how the body works as a whole from a mechanical perspective and neurological per perspective, the ability to do that has the largest global impact on our movement patterns, our injuries than anything else. And by the way, the number one healthcare cost in America, is not diabetes or heart disease or cancer, it's low back pain. Wow. What we're talking about. And you can manage it yourself. And so with this, I, 
I wanted to demonstrate one that my process and how I train, how I rehab, the tools I use and everything that I can manage spinal mechanics better than anyone else in the world (laughs) through those processes uh, that I can show people and inspire people that if you chase something fundamentally incredibly hard, like if you put every enough effort into it, you can do things that people think are impossible. And then the third reason was uh, it was paired with uh, charity fundraisers for things that I believe in. So that was why I did the things that I did. Now, I shared some of the things about some of my values, and you can see that in there as far as like challenge and creativity and then recognition and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Also, the continual learning, because when you put yourself on the edge of things in the world, you learn very, very fast because things move small changes that might take the imperceptible or take years or decades to be able to, to, to net out, you might find in weeks, days, hours. Okay. Uh, so these are the whys of why I did some nutty stuff. And that's the fundamental behind the, the documentary coming up. Grand goals, grand, a thousand grand over the top, crazy. Um, and, but when it comes to relation to like work, business, all the other stuff, there's this other key philosophy And to me, it comes down to, it's not what you do, but what you don't do. And being able to pair out the scope creep of all the other shit so you can focus those steps every day so that those steps are just the ones we're cutting out the fluff and the crap that just comes in and fills your life. You did theory of constraints. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with 5S, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kaizen, Kaizen, 5S, workplace and then organization yeah, of your yeah. work cell. Yeah. Strip everything fucking away. Right, right, right. And then start pulling the things back in. I use that quite a bit. Another approach I do is called achieving balance through chasing the extremes. Take things that are supposedly diametrically opposed, but they are things that you love and know and want to chase. Okay. And it forces you, if you go all out, it forces you not to, 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 to refine what's important and what's not and to cut the fluff. It's a process in there. You, my life, work-life balance. I pulled that all into one so that being my authentic self, being with my family, be, like whatever it is, is part of things that enhance my business, my life, all of that. My sense of family and community are there. My paired vision, Right. So the squat people, if I, I tell people, I want you to put everything into perfecting your technique. It's got to be perfect every day. I want it to be a little bit better, a little more refined. We're chasing the impossible to take out the minutia of every imperfection in your squat. And people go, Oh, (laughs) I'll do body weight, maybe the bar. And I got to get it perfect. This relates back to development of resilience here in a minute. And then I say, I want you to put today, we're going to do something different. I want you to put every last ounce of effort into that squat. Absolutely nothing on the table. I want to know what's in your soul, what it's made of. Show me who you are. (laughs) Forms out the wind. It's going to look like trash. It's just going to be all, all out. No, actually, sorry. I didn't mean today. I meant like, 
yeah, I still want you to be perfect. I want both of those. I want both of those. I'm like, well, that doesn't work. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because unless I have challenge to break me down and I'm pushing the level of, of what I can and can't do, I don't discover the flaws in my technique. I can't make the improvements until I'm on the edge of breaking, right? And I can't push the maximal effort of effort into it if I've got leaks, if I've got any little level of energy leak or loss of like think of business and personal life and other like loss of focus in other dist- areas, distractions, things that pull from that, right? Everything. And so as I, I chase these things that are imp- diametrically opposed, I create something beautiful in the center that nobody, that is outside the scope of what people thought was possible. And that's what I did right? That's how I pulled that off. So it wasn't going into the gym, like I'm going to be a meathead and just like beat my head against the wall. I spent decades understanding and becoming the best expert on rehabilitation and neurology and biomechanics. And I designed my own equipment. I created my own gym and culture. I built my entire team around me to do analysis and laser my, you know, my hip and shoulder position every week and guide the, like there was a whole team around this to be able to pull that off because at the same time I deadlifted a thousand and one pounds for three repetitions at the time only a half a dozen people had ever done a single nobody'd done it for reps and every one of them weighed between 340 pounds to 460 pounds and I weighed 262 pounds and then five years later I came back and I squatted a thousand and one pounds for three repetitions some other people had done some squats for repetitions as well and uh there was about a half a dozen people in the world that have squatted over a thousand pounds none of them are close to being able to deadlift it and nearly every one of those that had weighed between 340 plus pounds again i weighed 275 pounds at the time of that one so there's some perspective on a lot of stuff I just hit on on so many levels um, that connect the dots of the pieces of the conversation that we've had so far. Yeah. Fantastic. Bang, Fantastic way to, way to do that. Yeah, way to wrap too, that it'd up. be nice to do this down the road again for a little bit longer. We barely scratched the surface, but where can people track down your stuff? Yeah. Uh, ChrisDuffin.com. That's like a muffin. But with a D, <laughs> D-U-F-F-I-N. Keep those. And, uh, that should be uh, one of the so five your, S's, but, fix, you know. <laughs> f- f- fix your autocorrect. Uh, but if you go to ChrisDuffin.com, you'll actually see uh, the trailer for the upcoming movie. You'll get the first part of my book if you sign up for the email list for absolutely free. Uh, you can get a link for the audio book, uh, which is um it's a great resource to go through there. Links to social media. If you sign up for the email list, like I said, you'll get first part of my book for free. You'll also get some exclusive education and exclusive discounts to uh, my company's Kabuki Strength, which makes the absolute best in biomechanically sound equipment out there. Uh, We're used in 90% of all professional sports teams in North America. That's the NBA, NFL, MLB, all uh, all areas of the military and special forces. Heck, even... uh, um, uh, even the person, uh, in the oval office, uh, is, uh, using ours to try to get to a little healthier and, uh, we'll see if we can have an impact there. Nice. Um, all the, 
you know, your top movie stars, The Rock. He's got like uh, bars and everywhere he trains, Marvel Studios. Basically, anybody that knows anything about proper training uses kabukistrength.com. Wow, nice. Uh, um, so lots of free education on movement and stuff like that. So again, maybe you don't train, don't train right now, but if you want to be successful in business, your personal life and family, um, you need to have a physical component. It's body, mind, and soul. Do you need to do what I did? No. Right on. Um, with that is also barefoot athletics. I wanted so to I ask you about I, one being. Yeah, I just want to ask you about that before we before we go. Just make sure you plug that barefoot okay. stuff. And I want to ask so, you about it. Number one, as I said, is the spinal mechanics. Number two is the, the foot and ankle complex. And I mentioned like wrapping your elbow up. You know what's going to happen if your elbow is bothering and you wrap it up every day? Well, it's going to get weaker, and then actually you're going to cause problems elsewhere in your body as well. And so somehow uh, we think that shoes with orthotics and all this other stuff is like the answer. I've got some big store. Uh, you can watch some videos around uh, the concepts around shoe spiracy and the things. I'm not some wacko conspiracy theorist. This is basic and it's backed by science meta analysis of all studies on, on the use of orthotics and the concepts that we think around shoes uh, uh, back this up. Uh, there's no lasting effect other than temporary relief, just like if you wrapped your elbow every day uh, for a six, eight week period of time. Then after that, what happens? Well, we know. Uh, so uh, barefoot shoes is the absolute best in minimalist shoe wear that allows your foot to actually work and become stronger. And we provide education on how to do that. You just use it. If you don't want to buy my shoes, that's fine. Yeah, take, yeah, it's good. So go, and use them. Yeah, and go, it, go them stronger. Go barefoot if you can, or go barefoot What's if you that? can. If you go barefoot if you can, like, do your shoes yeah. also ground? Like, can you ground to the earth with with those shoes? Is there, a, or is it? So, for, first, uh, my squat and deadlift, I did absolutely just barefoot in my training for that. Uh, so I'm not trying to push that, but uh, same time, shoes protect you from cuts and abrasions and heat burning on pavement as well as disease and things like that. So there is a place for them. Um, we don't have the grounding ones in there. If you want, I, I, it is a useful thing to, uh, to do. So, you know, get out in the grass or wherever, uh, spend a little time connected. Uh, but, uh, you know, barefoot shoes are the absolute uh, best and minimalist footwear, uh, widest toe box in the industry, greatest sheer gripping force and, uh, they're designed, uh, with uh, uh, designed function first with a touch of fashion. So uh, my design collaborator is uh, arguably the best uh, men's luxury shoe designer in the world who happens to also design for the same customers that uh, Kabuki Strength, like, you know, LeBron, The Rock, so on. <laughs> Random tie-ins, but, uh, uh, and then supplementation build fast formula. Anyway, long story short, you want to find me, I'm easy. Go on social media, type my name in. I usually have a little green blue checky thing uh instagram linkedin are the two primary places i interact uh but the postings are usually all over and again all that's on christoffin.com right on chris thanks for coming on the show and have a good time at the zoo yeah thanks buddy it Thank was fun you. great chat all right you guys have a good one you too bye-bye and that was a chat with Chris Duff. And what'd you think, buddy? Oh, I felt bad. I interrupted him a couple times there. Just trying to get. I wanted to get the the barefoot thing, and I wasn't sure he was going to say it, buddy. And he said it. So I'm going to buy some of those shoes. They look pretty cool. I was sure he was going to say yeah. it. 
I know. I just, I'm just stupid. You just, you just felt bad for not bringing it up. It's okay. Are you going to get into it lifting? Went by fast, I think man. you'd be a great lifter. No, I, you're short. You don't have far to lift it. You seem like squatty. I was arguing with Brady. I said I, I, I did on the leg press. I did 1,100 pounds before, and he's like, "No, there's no way you could have done that. No way, no way." Oh yeah, like, I remember in high school doing like training. 550. Oh really? When I was in like high school, so I, I could see trainer, you doing I mean, like 1,200, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> You're locked right in there. It's all just you know. Legs. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, it was pretty funny because we were listening to his book a little bit on the way on the way home from Utah. Nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Good chat. I mean, honestly, dude, he, he's a, he's a he's got a he's a real well-rounded guy. Super smart, super fit, like uh, very very good engineer and inventor, and just good at articulating like ins- inspiration. I found there you have it. There you have. It. Big thanks to Chris for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're one of our supporters. GrabAmerica.ca/support. Join up today. We uh, we'll be forever grateful. Contact at thecabin.com if you want to get in on some of our tours. Graham's authentic self does need donations. <laughs> Graham's authentic self needs support in more ways than one. <laughs> uh, adultbrain.ca for the audiobooks. Join the chats. America.ca slash chats. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Started writing down a list of things to do. Number one on the list of things to do was to write a list of things to do. Number two on the list, a little more nihilist, wrote down the cake is a lie. There is no spoon. Johnny flipped out, they put him in a rubber room. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Started to carve my initials into a 150-foot tree. Forgot who I was, where I was, cut my hand, and it began to bleed. Was only looking to leave my mark in the bark in the park. Now I'm in agony. I have no name. My legacy is written in the sparks in your brain. Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Johnny crumpled up, threw away his list of things to do Instead he got to jot down his life But legacy manifesto, manifesto Live by principles of peace Mix it with charity Don't leave the next generation A world of scarcity Johnny wasn't a commie He was my fellow man Johnny wasn't a commie He was my fellow man Johnny wasn't a Nazi He was a firebrand Johnny wasn't a Nazi He was a firebrand I 
spend all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling